when I talked about the roads, I said the more wear and tear on a truck, the more likely it's going to break down. The more likely they break down, the more likely you put them out of business. So it's important that our roads and bridges and all of our infrastructure is up to the best best condition it can be. So you don't you don't encourage that. And so they really opened their eyes to that. I was really pleased with their reaction to wanting to make sure that they're not hindering their businesses in any way. So that was a lot of fun to talk with them about. Bit of a dispatch there from the day the truck stop came to the U.S. Congress. This is Overdrive Radio. I'm Todd Dills for this edition of July 11, 2019. And that was truckstop.com's chief relationship officer, Brent Hutto, you heard at the top. Hutto testified recently before a subcommittee of the Senate Commerce Committee. You'll hear him talk about it a bit later. The hearing was focused on the subcommittee's work on the next transportation reauthorization, or as we know it, the highway bill. And Hutto spoke to the role of technology in the freight ecosystem, the potential for electronic permitting, and much more. Including the condition of the roads, as you heard, where deterioration makes the number one reason owner-ops go out of business much more likely to come to fruition. That's a major mechanical failure, of course. Before we get to that, though, we'll hear from technology and billing manager John Gaverluk of Safeway Carrier out of Central Missouri. The hotshot focused up to 150 owner-operator fleet you may recall from our recent series on the hopes and potential hazards of the profusion of data derived from all these new and old electronic logging devices in the marketplace. Gaverlook's fleet uses Keep Trucking's Bring Your Own Device Type ELD system. Safeway is also a carrier partner with the now Keep Trucking owned One Point Logistics brokerage. One Point's expansion since purchase last year coincides with Keep Trucking's work toward what the company's calling a smart load board, set for release later this year. Gaverlick and I talked over issues of data use, privacy, competition, and Safeway's operation. Here he is laying out his history with and the general history of the fleet. So uh, we, uh, I, my involvement now is I'm the billing and technology manager here. Um, it's kind of weird, I'll get there. <laughs> so I started in yeah. dispatch, um, I did about two years of dispatch, or sorry, two months of dispatch, and it just was not working out. I was in um, med school or pre-med at the time, and it just, working school just was not working out, and uh, so they transitioned me to the billing department and legal stuff and just kind of doing some paperwork, whatever. Um, so then eventually, because I'm kind of a, a geeky person, I, I started implementing some technological advancements in the company. I'm like, hey, look, we can just cut out paper if we do all the you know, contracts that are digital instead of print them out and fax them back. We can just email them back. And so this was like about six years ago. So, um, you know, technology was just developing a lot more um, Adobe, Acrobat, whatever. So uh, as as that went on, they they realized that um, my aptitude for technology was pretty high. So they just kind of kept, you know, tossing ideas out to me. And I'm like, oh, we can do this. We can do that. So that's kind of how I got the technology part, but I also do the, some of the billing stuff, so I oversee some of that. Um, but yeah, so we started about eight years ago. Um, about the first two years, the owners of the company, so there's three owners, they they were actually, you know, one guy would be on the road and two of them would dispatch him. And then eventually they got another truck and two of them would be on the road and one would dispatch and they'd rotate, you know, weekly or bi-weekly, whatever it was. Um, 
they were at a basement, you know, just kind of mom and pop shop kind of thing. <clears throat> Eventually, they uh, they grew to, you know, hiring other people to drive for them. Um, yeah. And it just kind of grew, grew. And um, yeah, so as of right now, we have um, anywhere between 50 to 150 trucks on the road at the given time, um, you know, just depending on who's on vacation. Because we're very yeah. kind of... Uh, What's the word? We're kind of flexible with our schedules. I mean, we don't have a dedicated time. You know, obviously, the more you're on the road, the more you're making. But um, you know, some guys they uh, they just want to be more with the family, which is you know we respect that and we're happy for that too. Yeah. Um, so we specialize in full-time trucks. So um, the common term is hot shots. Um, we do uh, we do step decks as well. Um, occasionally, we have like a low boy or Conestoga running, um, but you know that just uh, it's kind of more specialized equipment. Um, the reason why we this was our niche when we started was because we found there was an advantage um, for like harder to maneuver areas, uh, like urban, suburban, you know, construction sites that are kind of tight. Um, like literally the other day, one of the drivers came by the office and showed me some pictures. He was literally on a mud field, and you know they needed the the the, the equipment there no matter what. So. And, you know, if you have like a larger truck, you're not going to get in there. Uh, but, you know, he just, he had a good set of tires, you know, he's like, if it wasn't for this, I probably wouldn't make it out. And he was like stuck, you know, halfway to his axles. It was just, it was crazy. Um, so, you know, and we find that um, customers do appreciate, you know, um, obviously big trucks, you know, because, you know, you can carry way more, but uh, smaller trucks, because it just gets into tight spaces. And that was just kind of our niche going and, you know, just kind of, uh, about the e-log transition, um, when did uh, when did when did you guys start looking at that, and, um, and kind of how did that uh, implementation happen? And obviously, you know, the whole industry was kind of like uh, on the verge of like freakout mode when it was mandatory, because <laughs> it was like, I mean, well, well, maybe you know, maybe it's because we we just heard a lot of negative feedback about it. Um, and then, you know, the whole, um, uh, what was it, grace period of a year or so, uh, we uh, we realized that this was this was something futuristic in a way because it's, it's going to happen. You know, if the government's involved, it's most likely going to happen. So we, uh, our safety manager at the time, he, uh, or still safety manager, he uh, yeah. he just kind of had this, like, calmness about him and just kind of, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like, he just very... Uh, he was very confident and he just calmed down all these fears that the drivers had. Cause we, we, under, we understand, you know, they're on the road. What is this electronic thing in my truck? Like, why, why is it tracking me? You know, what's going on? Like, why does it care where I'm at? Well, anyway, you know, long story short, you know, he was just, he would talk to each one of them, you know, kind of explain the situation that, Hey, you know, if we get ahead of this, you know, we, you can get used to it. Cause I mean, I like, still run like paper logs, but you know, the e-logs would just kind of like, help them get used to it. And so, you know, yeah. we, we adopted it ahead of time and we, you know, we found keep trucking and, um, keep trucking was the better kind of fit for our company. Um, I, I don't know the full detail of the, what he did and, you know, trying out different brands, but it just, it just worked out for us. And it seemed like the easiest kind of more, um, professional kind of like grade level for us. So we, um, we took upon it, you know, right away, we ordered a whole bunch of devices, put into, you know, the first batch of trucks and just kind of ran with that. But yeah, I mean, honestly, it was just, 
carrying out the driver, talking to them, hey, you know, it's it's all good, everything is all fine, and then you know, just having that confidence build up, and you know, it, it does improve. Like, hey, you know what, you're not going to be called every two hours where you're at. You know, we just know where you're at. You know, we can handle the uh, customers, uh, the brokers, and etc. And that way, just you know, you're, you're safe as well. I mean, because that's we also want to be a safe right. company. You know, we want to be responsible for what our trucks on the road. So it just, it was, it was balanced out, but just the way you present it is I think a bigger deal than what's actually the change that's happening. Because when you present it properly, everyone else is just like, okay, that's cool. You know, we'll go with it. The the more they're exposed to this device that's laying around, you know, on their dash or whatever, then they're like, okay, fine. It's just there. It's not doing anything. <laughs> so in terms of, um, Dispatch management and stuff, and and sort of other technologies. I think. Um, anything else? Are you guys using the using Keep Trucking for like uh, that sort of basic dispatch functionality it's got in there? Whatever well, our dispatch management software is um, is uh, kind of like custom written. So we uh, we use this guy. He's uh, he's pretty good. Um, I don't even know the name of the brand or the company if he even has one okay. but he's he's um it's very like just kind of custom written so i mean you have the accounting okay. the, everything else but we do use the keep truckings um like dashboard you know to see where the trucks are at you know uh hours yeah. of service you know all that so it's honestly for us it cut down on a lot of like um kind of like uh it was just kind of like information we saw and we know what we need to focus on instead of like, hey, let's check everything and then find out what we need to focus on. It's just very easy. You know, it's in one area. We see yeah. everything that we need to see and it's just very convenient and it just helps us, you know, reduce on, it helps us focus on what we need to and help us reduce the time needed to do that, if that makes sense. And I've heard similar from, from other folks uh, that are newly, uh, newly acquainted with, with the ELDs of all shapes and sizes really, um, that for for folks that run a small fleet anyway, not not, not really the one truck guys because it doesn't really apply so much. But uh, that that kind of ability to kind of put a put a bunch of data uh, right in front of you on a on a map uh, in terms, particularly in terms of location tracking and stuff, to see how progress is being made. It just kind of gives you a quick window into into um, you know, how the day's going and you know it cuts down on, on everything that you might otherwise have to do to figure that out right <laughs> yeah because then you 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 literally you anytime i mean the communication in this business is is like it's golden like you have to have good communication to kind of succeed and at least be you know respected in a way because brokers know if you have good communication they can trust you even if there's a breakdown or a hold up somewhere as long as you communicate it to them you know they're good. So like us knowing where our truck is at any given time, hey, we know he's going to make it to this delivery because he has enough hours. Or hey, hey man, sorry man, um, this guy's going to have some a delay because this this hour of service is running out. Um, he'll probably just have to push it, you know, another you know twelve hours or six hours, whatever. So just having that ability to know and keep ahead of potential situations where it could be uh, like a bad, you know, like. Uh, arc or whatever oh this carrier didn't you know call me in time well we now we know we're like okay you know what the scheduled delivery is done guy's not gonna make it let's call him now rather than 
the day of or having them hunt us down, you know, and call us, hey, where's your truck? Well, you know, if you, right. if you go ahead and, and ahead of time, you see where the trucks are at, you see where if they're going to make it or not, it just helps out in the long run. Um, and especially at yeah, like if you have multiple trucks, it's it's way easier to see in a dashboard and knowing like who's where and what the time schedule is like. It's just, yeah, it's way easier this way. I asked Gavrilik whether Safeway had experience with any of the third-party tracking apps that brokers sometimes ask or require owner ops and other carriers to use. Think MacroPoint, Project 44, Trucker Tools, and many others. As we reported in the ELD data series in the June issue, all those companies have begun to or progressed along uh, the route of enabling such tracking to occur via the trucker's ELDs rather than their cell phones. As others have noted, from a personal privacy perspective, Gaverlook views that as preferable to tracking tech employed directly on a driver's phone. Having the ability of, hey, you're tracking my truck, not necessarily my personal cell phone, that, yeah. that already kind of puts them at ease. And, you know, if it's another truck or, you know, if we switch, switch out drivers or whatever, the, the, the tracking still gets to, still happens, you know? So it's just like, it, it cuts out on the actual driver's personal space yeah. bubble and it goes on to the actual truck. So, I mean, that's a good kind of balance in a way. Like, okay, well, you know, we backed off the driver and kind of offset it to the actual equipment that they're operating instead of personal equipment. Um, yeah. Any, you, guys, you guys don't do trailer tracking, do you? Um, no. Um, so our, our trailers are very rarely ever swapped. So for us, it's usually okay. the equipment and the trailer, they're always together. I mean, unless the trailer goes into maintenance or something, but other than that, it's, um, it's usually the same truck and trailer. Like we usually combine them right. together. Is most of the freight that uh, you guys run in brokered? We, like we, we, when we started, yes, obviously, you know, we're looking at load boards, we're building contacts, um, we're trying to uh, get some contracts even in, um, but lately, I mean, the last, I'll say maybe two or three years, um, we've developed enough kind of, um, good contacts in a way that even before phrase on the load board, you know, we're notified, Hey, we have this, we know you have usually right. trucks in this area. Can you cover this for this amount of money when you get delivered here? And, you know, it works out sometimes, um, sometimes it doesn't, but, um, like, uh, right. our, with one point logistics, like we, uh, they, we knew anytime we're in Illinois, either they offer to us or we just give them a call and we're, you know, we're, we're taken care of. They had a particular, uh, customer in Illinois that, uh, was always needing something there that fit, fit with you guys. Yeah, either that. Either that or, you know, someone else in uh, another broker, you know, they have like, um, you know, uh, a few like customers around the country and in like specific areas that like, hey, if we're in that area and, you know, they call us in the morning, hey, are you going to have a truck here today or tomorrow? Yeah. Or, hey, I need three trucks uh, next week here. Can you get take care of that? So, you know, it's it's always a, a give and take because you, you can't always plan too far ahead. Um, but... I mean, yeah, it's mostly broker through brokers. Um, we do have some customers who um, want to work with us directly because they maybe had a bad experience with a broker or something else, but, you know, but 
we're not like going yeah. around poaching customers because that's not that's not right. So yeah, I mean, it, sure. it just depends on um, you know the situation where who, what, when, where, why. But when did you guys start working with uh, One Point? Was it before they uh, were bought by Keep Trucking? Or so um, we actually um, we didn't know they were bought out by Keep Trucking until the announcement came. So I, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't know exactly when they were bought out, but uh, we've been working them for probably close to a year now. Um, and I think in the sure. last six months or so, when I'm guessing they were bought out by keep yeah. trucking, um, we, we've just gotten a lot more kind of like focused freight from different, you know, areas around the country. Um, and it, it worked out really well with us because you know, we, we do our job to make sure we're we're on time. We deliver it, you know, with the least amount of issues possible. Um, and they're offering us, you know, loads that, hey, we have, we see that you have a truck here. You want, can you take this for us? Yeah, hey, let's go, let's do this. All right. So, you know, there's less downtime. There's a uh, uh, good communication. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it worked out really well for us. We honestly, yeah, we didn't know that they were bought out by Keep Trucking until maybe a month or two ago. So that was like, Okay, the Keep Trucking Company's purchase of One Point Logistics was announced in early April in tandem with the company's plans to build what it called a smart load board, potentially bringing available hours to bear in the matching process to an extent. Regular overdrive readers uh, will well know, probably saw that news. What also announced at the time was a then-coming Facility Insights tool. John Gaverlick was particularly excited about the tool's potential. Honestly, what I think about it is, is it's like the Yelp for carriers. It's about time we finally have like, hey, we know that these guys go for lunch at 11 and they come back at 12. Or we know these guys have uh, a forklift, you know, available at any time. Or this, this facility is open 24-7. Or we know yeah. they have one dock, so you have to call in, you know, really ahead of time because they're always backed up or something so this is like it's like perfect this is like something that's like keep trucking definitely found you know their niche where they providing insights like hey this customer is requires x and make sure to have this before you come in like that that's amazing like that that really will help out us again with downtime with with any potential you know um uh, holdups or any issues because we know, hey, um, like if we need to call in for a crane appointment or something, well, we'll know to do that before we get there, not when we get there. So it's like this is like right. all like very very good stuff. I mean, this like kind of about time this happened because it's like we didn't know what we were missing out on until this launched, you know, or is launching. So that's, right. that's good stuff. I mean, there are there are other windows into that, but a lot of it is kind of uh, a lot of it is kind of uh, crowdsourced and kind of labor intensive to get the information in there. This this thing is different because it's based on uh, the data from that big uh, big well of uh, users of the of the ELD, uh, and and uh, that reviews will be. Possible at a certain point, maybe not when it initially launches. So you'll get some of that crowdsource information, and you kind of get these kind of average wait times at different points of the day, and other things about different facilities. Kind of, kind of give you a uh, uh, 
a new set of data to to help you know, pick a pick where you're gonna where you want to go. Yeah, right. yeah they, um, they they mentioned something that like there'd be all the all the data would be anonymous and then that you'd need at least right. like five something reviews before they'd be posted. So I mean that that is definitely, you know, again, that's really good because it's not going to be like okay, these guys are undermining the, you know, the uh the 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 shipper or the receiver whoever it is. Um but they're actually like having relevant data. It's not like someone had a bad experience and you know they're you know one yeah, yeah, storing yeah. everything. It's like no, hey, let's let's get data from multiple people and see you know, like like you said, crowdsourcing yeah. that that is definitely yeah, it it's gonna be such a help for I mean, yeah, it's since it's, you know, other ELD users, it's definitely gonna be um a good kind of method of sourcing that information and being able to see that that's that's definitely something that's amazing. That's can't right. wait till that gets into in effect. The purchase of One Point Logistics made Keep Trucking a player in the competitive environment for freight contracts. Company CEO Shoaib Makani told me the user told me user ELD data, anonymized and aggregated for the Facility Insights tool to show average wait times at various facilities, has in some instances informed One Point's presentations to shippers with a mind toward helping them improve those wait times. That would obviously uh, be a clear benefit to carriers. John Gavlick would surely agree. Yet what about the competitive position that puts the ELD provider in now as a broker? Is it a violation of trust to be using customer ELD data this way with shippers when it could well be ELD customers who are handling their freight today? Those issues were explored in the last segment of the series on the value of ELD data to tech companies and truckers. Gavrilik himself brought business and personal data use issues back to the necessity of trans transparency. He's uncertain any line in the sand needs to be drawn necessarily as long as data collectors are above board with their customers about just what they're doing with data before, during, and after they do it. Uh, at this point it's like, okay, well then, you know, how does Facebook get away with what they do? How does Google get away with, they, with, with what they do? Um, we don't know about Apple because, I mean, it seems like that's kind of more of a secure device-centric, you know, analytics that they do. It's not necessarily passed on anywhere, but, I mean, obviously, I don't even know at this point. So, um, uh, I mean, I guess maybe it's just, I mean, I don't know if even, even, even government can mandate, hey, you need to do this and this with data, kind of like the whole European Union thing, kind of forcing that on them. I, at this point, I don't know, but... Yeah, California actually uh, has a Consumer Privacy Act that's eh, relatively similar. Uh, okay, yeah. What, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. EU has, yeah. So, I mean, at this point, it's like, uh, like, honestly, like, if if a if a if a industry giant, is, you know, is very transparent, hey, we anonymize data and we use it for this. Yeah. It, I think I'd be a little bit more open to that because at least I know what I'm getting myself into. Rather than, yep. hey, um, uh, we're just not, we have no comment. And then I don't know why I'm getting these kind of weird uh, phishing emails from, because my data has been sold off somewhere. So, right, I mean, right. so there, there, there's like, uh, I mean, I guess that's where I draw the line in the sand where it's like, hey, if I know where I'm, where my, what data that I'm passing on and what it's being used for, it's yeah. different than, hey, I don't know what's, what information is being passed on and 
what's happening with it? As long, I mean, as long as uh, uh, the user agreements on on the, on data use are clear, um, and you know, everybody's comfortable with them. Uh, I guess I guess the the lesson there is you know read the fine print, right? Yeah, yeah. I when mean, you, yeah. Yeah. If you're looking at like uh, hospital like records, you know they they collect you know scientists collect all these data on actual humans, but yeah. they're using it to hey fight disease or you know bring cures to certain diseases or something. Okay, you know in that case, it, it's it's for the benefit of everybody. But what if it's yeah, benefiting yeah. the other party more? At least I want to know what I'm losing out of it. Because if I don't know what I'm losing, I mean, again, at the same time, it's like ignorance is bliss. If you don't know what you're losing, you don't really care. But once you start realizing that everything you do is being tracked, like right now, like they're literally targeting billboards on sidewalks because they know that this sidewalk at this time is populated. So they'll, you know, allocate that time as a higher rate per ad on this billboard, billboards, which some of them are digital, some of them are not, are being targeted at people. I'm sure anything else is being targeted at something else, and all this data is coming from somewhere. So, I mean, it's just, that's the kind of the reality of the world that we live in, and uh, I really hope that, like, that's why one thing I'm kind of happy about Apple is that my information is or stored on my device, and it's, you know, I mean, I'm sure it sends stuff back, but like all my credit card information yeah. doesn't get stored anywhere else. It gets stored on my phone. So if my phone is locked, you know, like no one's really going to get into yeah. it. Whereas they did a like experiment of like someone turned their Android phone off and pulled out the SIM card and everything. And, you know, they drove around like Washington, D.C. I was reading about this recently. And he put, you know, his phone, plugged it in and started reading all the data. They they had, they knew that if the phone was tilted one way, he was getting out of a car. Like, the phone wasn't even on. How the heck do you get that data? <laughs> so, like, wow. You know, it, at this point, you're just like, you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm just, you know, a human. And, you know, that's a technology giant. That's whatever. I don't know. I mean, that that's kind of, it does raise more questions. And kind of like efficacy that who can control, you know, something that's multi-billion dollars worth. And if if you know a country mandates something, they're just probably just going to move to another country to keep doing what they're doing, you know. So it's just kind of like, right, right. Uh, where 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 do we draw the line? How do we know this? So I don't know. I mean, I guess transparency would be my thing. Like if I know exactly what is happening to the data that I'm providing, I'd be more willing to not necessarily trust, but take the lesser of the two evils, if that makes sense. A um, few things to think about there. Speaking of technology, data, and transparency, my fellow Overdrive senior editor James Gillette spoke a bit with another trucking tech provider, truckstop.com, and his chief relationship officer, Brent Hutto, whom you heard at the top. Their check came in the wake of the day the well-known load board was represented in the halls of Congress, where Hutto testified before a subcommittee of the Senate Commerce Committee about the role of technology in trucking's future as our reps work on the next transportation bill. Here's Gillette setting up a selection of his conversation with Hutto, which 
touches on where Hutto believes tech players should sit when it comes to the competitive trucking environment. Don't look now, but the current Surface Transportation Reauthorization Law, the FAST Act, colloquially known as a highway bill, expires in little more than a year. Both chambers of Congress have begun very preliminary work on putting together the next iteration of a Highway Funding Act. In addition to securing long-term funding for highway projects outside of Congress' annual budget process, highway bills are also an avenue for lawmakers to enact reforms, update public policy, and generally steer the direction of regulatory action by the U.S. DOT and its Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. The current law, the FAST Act, was signed by President Obama in December of 2015 it's a five-year bill that includes policy writers like pulling CSA scores from public view and requiring FMCSA to reform the CSA program. The bill also opened the door for carriers to use hair sample testing to satisfy driver drug screening requirements and called for FMCSA to set up a pilot program to allow military veterans under the age of 21 to drive in interstate operations. You may remember, too, that the highway bill before that, 2012's MAP-21, instituted the ELD mandate and Jason's Law, the latter is a set of measures meant to call the USDOT's attention to the inadequate truck parking landscape across the country. It's still too early to know what policy updates might be included in the next highway bill and what name it might bear, but both the House and the Senate have held hearings to begin the process of crafting the post-FAST Act highway law. Brent Hutto, Chief Relationship Officer at TechProviderTruckStop.com, testified before the Senate's Commerce, Science, and Technology Committee's Transportation and Safety Subcommittee late last month. That name's a mouthful, but that's the subcommittee where the next highway bill will originate and where the bulk of the work on crafting its trucking policies will take place. I spoke with Brent last week on his trip to Capitol Hill, what he talked about during his time before the Senate panel, the questions and reactions by the senators, and how his testimony might shape the policies of the next highway bill. The, the purpose of this examination was to see how efficiency and technology was going to increase the movement of freight and how that related into the Surface uh, Transport, the uh, Surface Transportation Act that bill that they're, they're beginning to craft and want to get approval of, I believe it's a, it's a several hundred billion dollar bill to uh, fix the roads, roads and bridges and work on congestion around um, the United States. It's obviously a very big topic to all of us uh, within the marketplace. And, and so they wanted to understand how if, if technology is going to increase the amount of freight and how that was going to happen, what did they need to do? So some of the questions they asked me at first was just to explain the marketplace. They said, well, you know, why, how, how big is this marketplace? And they, they kind of know that, but really how big is the specific part of this marketplace and what's going on in it and how are the, how are the participants um, getting better at it and where are their businesses potentially having struggles? And we talked a lot about that. And, and one of the things that our main message back to the, the Senate subcommittee uh, uh, led by Senator Fisher and, and Senator Duckworth was it's really important that there is a universal platform that is neutral in the marketplace that all participants can participate in and is, and, and is based and, and, and its cost basis is, is affordable for everyone to play in because and the reason that we, we felt like that was the most important message to communicate them on how the marketplace needs to work is because this is a marketplace that's not dominated by any one size player. You've got tiny players or, or what we call micro players, the owner operators and small agent offices in the brokerage industry, all the way up to multi-billion dollar companies. 
And and because Truck Stop services that entire marketplace, uh, we felt it was very important to talk about how this universal platform, this fair marketplace, this neutral marketplace that is not biased to any one side, uh, can help the whole marketplace succeed. So all these small, so these you know we service about seventy thousand small businesses. And how these 70,000 small businesses who are responsible for $200 billion in freight movement, how do they, how can they ensure that they're, they're, they have their chance to be successful? And so we, we really focused on that and we focused on the efficiency that technology was going to enable the market to be able to do. So how can the same number of participants or the, the, the market participants, how can they increase their ability to produce to be able to move freight at a higher volume uh, without hiring more people. In other words, how can they create better efficiency inside of their own businesses to create better profit for themselves to be able to move more freight? And we said that because if you get a great efficiency on one end, in other words, the freight can move faster because there's better transparency and better technology and better connections in the marketplace. So you just say you increase that by 10%, the marketplace by 10%, which would be a massive increase. And the roads and bridges and congestion just continue to degrade, then you're decreasing efficiency on the other end. And so we kind of juxtaposed those two things together because we felt like you can't get efficiency on one end and decrease efficiency on the other and expect any gains. Both have to be increasing. So we really focused to the senators on that, that were there talking with them about why that's important. And uh, after after a couple of times and kind of explaining it, uh, they really seem to get it. What what was kind of their general response to, um, you know, not only your initial uh, opening sort of statement there, Brent, but also um, questions that they asked and and, and your answers. What uh, you know, kind of what was their general response to the information you presented about not only the spot market but about efficiency within the spot market and truckstop.com and other technologies that that work in trucking now that may not have been around five, ten, fifteen years ago. Oh, uh, their response to. Uh, the technology innovations and the things that are going on in the marketplace was, I, I thought, very genuine and open-ended. We were we were thankful that, that, I mean, the questions they asked me were good, deep questions about how does this affect the efficiency? So tell us about that. So we talk about how um, a company that uh, would have an opportunity to grow their business because the technology can help them do more with the existing structure that they have. So they don't have to, don't have to, to increase their, their base cost to do something. And then there was a question that Senator Duckworth asked me, and they're all very focused on safety because they should be. That's, they're, they're there to protect the American public and their constituency. They're very focused on safety, and they were asking me how safety can be addressed. And I said, well, from the standpoint of data, transparency of data helps the marketplace understand where trucks are, how they need to be um, routed to get there, how they could be the most efficient to get there, and the more efficiently they get there and the less time they're detained, the less time they're on the road. So that's less road miles, which increases safety because the less miles there have to be on the road to produce the profit they need to succeed, then you create you increase safety. Another aspect, and Senator Duckworth specifically asked me about this one. She said, well, what technologies are there that are, that are kind of coming up uh, that um, that that we need to be aware of, and, and I, I enlightened her to a recent uh, rule bill that was passed or policy that was passed by the FNCSA that all of the 
permits that a trucker has to have to run legally up and down the road are now um, are now authorized to be accepted in an in a electronic form. It used to be you had to have the manual copy of it. You had to present it to them right there, so the the state law enforcement person could take a look at it, make sure it's valid, um, and if there was ever an issue, obviously the, the inspection took a lot longer because you had to get a copy of it and it had to be faxed or it had to be emailed. There's all these different challenges that go into a non-centralized system. Well, we worked, we actually did a pilot test with the FMCSA to determine whether or not this was a, a, a legitimate um, a concern for the marketplace and a legitimate solution to be able to do e-credentialing. We call it, it's called e-credentialing but it's e-permitting where all permits can be accepted electronically. And so we, over uh, the year of uh, part of 2017 and all 2018, did led this pilot group and the success was phenomenal. Uh, we had a, one fleet that tested it for us with 157 trucks. Um, the ability to get permits completely up to date for all 157 of their trucks was um, increased their efficiency by threefold and or had, a, had a, more than a 200% increase. And then the, um, the time, this was the best, the best part of this, and this is what really got the senator's attention, was the time reduction of roadside inspections could be reduced by 20, by an average of 20 minutes. And an average roadside inspection is somewhere between 45 minutes and an hour. So you're talking about at least a 20% reduction in time that that law officer has to be standing on the side of the road or at their cruiser or in their cruiser or pulled, got the truck pulled over. and 20 minutes less that the trucker has to be um, there, pulled over on the side of the road, and then of course the efficiency aspect of the truck being able to move that much faster down the highway. So that was a really big thing, really, their eyes really opened. And one of the other things, and this is, this is really, really cool, um, I talked about why it's important for the roads and bridges to be in good shape. And, and I used the example of the number one reason that an owner operator loses his trucking business, his or her trucking business. And there, and so I asked him, posed him a question. I said, do, do you know why an owner operator loses, number one reason why they, they, they go out of business uh, in, in their small trucking company? And they're like, of course they don't, they don't know. And I said, well, it's because, the number one reason is because of a major mechanical failure. And if they have a big mechanical failure, a transmission, a, an engine issue, a wheel end, something dramatic that happens, it's the number one thing that puts them out of business. And um, so when I talked about the roads, I said the more wear and tear on a truck, the more it's likely it's going to break down. The more likely they break down, the more likely you put them out of business. So it's important that our roads and bridges and all of our infrastructure is up to the best best condition it can be. So you don't, you don't encourage that. And so they really opened their eyes to that. I was really pleased with their reaction to wanting to make sure that they're not hindering their businesses in any way. So that was a lot of fun to talk with them about. I believe it was Senator Thune that asked me, it, it was one of the next to last questions that, that, that right before he had to step out, he asked me, he said, he said, look, I just want to ask you, what are, the, what are the things that we can do to help you? So, you know, it wasn't like he was, he was asking some other type of question. He was really, he asked a specific question about that. And I thought that was a very genuine request. And of course I went back to the same thing and said, it's just very important that our, our government um, make sure that the, the roads and bridges and are as safe and open as possible and that you can do whatever you can to help us with congestion and, and, and ensure that there's a, 
there's always a there's an opportunity for businesses to succeed um, inside the marketplace. So that's I thought that was a great question, Brian. Well, Brent, uh, is there any are there any specific policy provisions that you would like to see included in the next uh, highway bill? Um, you know, whether that's something related to technology or you know, obviously we've touched on the, the need just for for strong infrastructure funding and to help uh, you know reduce congestion and make roads and bridges better and safer. Um, anything else that you would like to see included in the next highway bill? Well, that that is a question that. Uh, um, you know, I, I believe that, that, and we believe as a company that, that government needs to do exactly what government is designed to do, which is to ensure the safety of the, the, the citizenry and, and create the opportunity and ensure the opportunity for us to, to um, run our businesses and, and, and create success where we can. So to me, it's um, the things that, that and, and the, for the, as, as, as it, excuse me, as it pertains to the FAST Act, uh, I mean, it's it's a direct thing. It's let's ensure that our federal highway system is the best in the world, and and I think that they're working towards that. Uh, so to me, I, I you could say a lot of things that you'd wish government could do, but really that's private industry needs to be solving those problems. They do it the best. Uh, but what government does the best is appropriate the funds to do the really really massive big projects that affect all the citizens and, and certainly keeping our highways. Running well and safe as possible is the most important thing. I can't think of anything else that's more important. Well, um, I'm guessing uh, while you were in Washington, Brent, that uh, you know your focus was chiefly on your time before the the Senate panel. Um, but are there any other uh, meetings that you had in in DC that with lawmakers or even with members of FMCSA or with um, any any trucking associations um, while you were there? And and if so. Um, can you shed any light on, on how those meetings went and what you talked about? Well, we didn't meet anybody else when we were up there. We were really focused on uh, the Senate testimony. As you can imagine, that's a, that's a very um, – you want to be laser-focused on what you're trying to communicate to these leaders that can do very large things. So we, were, we tried to be laser-focused just on that and not get too, con not get too much on our, on our plate. I will say that a month ago, a month and a half ago, we were up there talking to the FMCSA about – the um, e-permitting, e e-credentialing product that, that, that was passed with that policy. And um, we spoke to several associations. We spoke to the American Trucking Association, the National Private Truck Council, Transportation Intermediaries Association, uh, the Specialized Carriers and Reading Association, uh, and several senators about this um, authorization of this, this product, this, um, uh, this policy that allows for the law officer to accept a, a, uh, an electronic permit, which is now that it's been passed, but publicly it hasn't been talked about very much. And this is something that will help every single player in the marketplace, and every single truck, every single van, to be able to have their, their permits available all the time, 24-7, in, in a form that's easy to distribute to those that need it. So to me, that was a Probably the biggest thing that the government has helped, and, and uh, Minister, Administrator Martinez and Deputy Administrator uh, Hansen uh, were really instrumental in helping that, that move forward. So that to me, that's the next biggest thing because it affects all 3.4 million trucks in a commercial truck marketplace. So to me, that, that if, if, I, if there was a big item, that'd be the next big item to talk about.
as a as an individual or as a company, there's lots of things you can do, but you can't do them unless you get up to the table. Unless you get you you contact your senator, contact your congressman, contact get on a committee, get part of association, and put yourself at the table. And it's just very important. And we're thankful that uh, Truck Stop is that was able to be that representative for part of the marketplace, and for and for our um, and for our users to what's important to them.